the time has come. The time is now. In this corner with Brian Campbell returns with the MMA edition as we prep your eardrums for penetration with another USADA-approved dose of that performance-enhancing audio. The Brian Campbell, in fact, the voice that you hear. Just about ready for me to tag in my main man, Muhammad King Mo Lawal, to bring you yet another loaded show you simply won't want to miss. Combat audio at its finest. Look, we may not always be there when you call, but BC and King Mo are always on time, always there at the proper location. If you want to find me, please just send me location. Send me location. You know, hey. Hey, it's that easy. It really is. And like the great Anderson Silva said, we are back and we are better than ever. I back. Trust me. I back. I'm sure Chael's not not really into that sound drop. Anderson Silva, you absolutely suck. All right, all right. We've been down that road before, but the King and I will return this week previewing a loaded Bellator 206 card this Saturday featuring Gegard Mousasi versus Rory McDonald for the middleweight title. React to the fireworks from the Conor McGregor Habib Nurmagomedov press conference last Thursday promoting UFC 229 and address all of the fallout from John Jones's USADA news, his imminent return, the whole debate of, you know, morality versus entertainment. We got you covered on that. And then some, hey, King Moe's going to even fill you in on the details of his own cage return. That is guaranteed to leave you impressed. I'm not impressed by your performance. Oh, all right, all right, all right, all right. Enough of that. Enough of this sound dropping, drop, drop time. I mean, soon enough it'll be nap time. When they step foot in the cage, they're going to pay the price with nap time. Yes, yes, that is, that is a, a, a warning and a, 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 you need to take that seriously. You also, if you like the show, if you like what you hear today, you need to head on over to Apple Podcasts. Give us that five-star review. Hey, drop in a little sentence. Say, hey, I come for the MMA, all right? I'm a big King Mo guy, the moneyweight king. Whatever you got to do, just let us know that you're listening. Pay it forward. We love to bring you the combat audio. We love to provide you with that smell. It is a beautiful aroma that arouses me. Absolutely, it does. Hey, I got nothing more to sell you or tell you but to throw it to the great king. We're going to go deep. We're going to give you a full show. We're back, baby. MMA is back. King Mo and BC are back. Enjoy. Oh, heck yeah. So good to be back on the horn with the great King Mo with MMA news spilling over. So much to get to this week. But King Mo, I want to talk to you about boxing. I want to talk about Conor McGregor, John Jones, Bellator, everything. But more important than that. The King is back. As Scott Coker was quoted as saying, the Bellator moneyweight champion has a date to return. Not sure if all the people have heard it. Where are you going to be? When you're going to be? Against who? As Teddy Atlas would say, let's talk about it. December 15th in Hawaii. I'm not sure what city yet. I think it's Honolulu, I believe. I'm fighting Liam McGeary. Yes. The the former Bellator light heavyweight champion. Yeah. How you feeling? How you feeling? You healthy? You, you ready? You're, you're never out of the gym. So what's going on inside the head of King Mo right now? I'm, I'm healthy. I'm ready. Um, we have about three months. You know what I'm saying? So it's like a while. So right now I'm just doing, getting my basic, basic base level training in, getting my sparring, strength training, grappling, everything. I'm doing all that 
and then uh, eventually, in about three three weeks, three and a half weeks, I'm gonna start focusing more on Liam. All right, he's the former champ. He's on a two fight losing skid. Great submission game. Tall, lanky. How does he match up with the three fight losing skid? Three fight losing skid. All right, my math is right there. How does he match up with you? Because under a under a King Mo. Uh, Math equation, I'm looking under the great King Moisms I have here. Uh, hands plus wrestling equals a problem. You have all three of those to give to Liam McGarry. Yeah. Uh, I have, I have all three of those plus I have more experience than them. Um, the thing about Liam, Liam's danger set, Liam uses his height and range real well, but more on the ground. He's that on the ground more. He looks for this, the, the Camorra Americana to an inverted triangle or triangles. That's what he's good. That's what he's good at. Standing. He has some things, but really, more than anything, he's more dangerous on the ground than he is standing. And you, Far more dangerous. You're also, of course, coming off a defeat. You've never lost two in a row in your career. Kingmo, because of how quick and disappointing the Ryan Bader loss was when you were entering that training camp healthy for really the first time in a long-ass time, do you have extra itch where you're like, oh, man, i got to get back on the board. i got to put a W up there. i got to show everybody what I was going to do to Bader. Or is it one of those things where it's like another day at the office, whoever they got to put in front of me, I'm cashing that check? Uh, a little bit of both because, you know, now I'm itching. That's why I'm, just, that's why I'm staying prepared. But now I'm just waiting for an opponent. And I waited for the opponent. It popped up. Now it's Liam's turn to get the business. Yes, yes, I like that a lot. So that's an interesting card, that December 15th Honolulu card. We're getting Rafael Carvalho against Leota Machida in his Bellator debut, which is interesting. We're going to see Alima Leigh McFarland defend her flyweight title against Valerie Latornu, the former UFC title challenger. And we're going to see one of those welterweight Grand Prix opening round bouts. This is a good one. Neiman Gracie and Ed Ruth, unbeaten. Jiu-Jitsu against wrestling. It's a good-ass card here on DAZN, King Mo. Yeah. How you feeling about this DAZN? They just launched with Anthony Joshua. You're yeah. in DAZN now. This, this is a new family here for you. Yeah, it, it's, it's crazy because now you're starting to see, um, a shift in the, in the combat sports world. You know, now you're starting to see more of a consolidation. You saw, you saw it first in Canada where they have, the, they have the fight network where you have MMA and all combat sports on one channel. Now you're starting to see DAZN do it. They're, they're doing boxing and MMA. Um, ESPN, has boxing and MMA on the on the network. I think you're going to start to see more consolidation amongst the combat sports. Interesting. Very interesting time. Wow. I'm fired up to see King Mo back. I want to see you uh, uh, do what you were going to do to Bader. Because, uh, oh, man, think, I yeah. still want to know what that fight would have looked like. Uh, yeah, trust me. I'm, I'm, my, my goal is to get back to get back to Bader, get back to um, get, get a chance to fight Phil Davis again, and I want to fight Matt Michion. I got to get the Matt Michion fight. That sounds like you want to go on a tour to run back any L's you faced. You already yeah. ran back the L against uh, Quentin Jackson, right? You got yeah. that one back. We, I'm waiting for you to get Emmanuel Newton. Find him in Russia, wherever yeah. he is. Yeah, I don't know. I, I've, I haven't seen. I don't know if he's fighting anymore. He might be done now. I don't know. I mean, is Javier Cavalcante still kicking around? I heard that he might possibly sign with Bellator eventually. Oh wow, there's a little bit of story there. That's the guy who yeah. took your Strike Force light heavyweight championship eight years ago. Yeah. Right. So I'm thinking maybe him, but I don't know what weight class he's at. I believe he might be a heavyweight now because he was always a big guy. Walked around at 250 to make 205. You don't have any interest in running this Krokop fight back, do you? I would definitely love to fight Krokop back. I just don't know if he's, I don't know what the deal with Krokop is. He's supposed to fight Roy Nelson last year. 
and then all of a sudden he pulls out, and now he's gonna fight in Japan, or he or he fight in Japan. I, I don't get it, but you know, it, it is what Crow Cop is Crow Cop. Yeah, he's a, he's an interesting dude there for sure. All right, Mo, a lot to get into. Nothing bigger than last Thursday, Radio City Music Hall, in New York. I happen to be in attendance for the UFC 229 press conference. Conor McGregor, Habib Nurmagomedov. Dana White's already saying this fight's going to exceed 2 million, maybe 2.5 million pay-per-view buys. They're already calling it the biggest fight in history. We already know that. But, Mo, this was an interesting setup. The first time they would go face-to-face since that famous, infamous bus attack in April at Brook in Brooklyn with the dolly through the window. And Dana would not allow fans to fill Radio City Music Hall, so it was a stage a dais on top of the stage with the media there about, let's say, say a hundred media members, maybe 50, between 50 and a hundred and no audience yet. Hot damn. There were fireworks because Conor McGregor came out and brought his typical shtick. What was your feel overall on the idea? It's hard to say who won these things, but well, what, what's your take on what you saw Conor and Habib in which Dana called the darkest press conference he's ever seen? Nothing really. Like, like all the press conferences are the same now. I don't, I don't know. know. This like, is di- this is this is different. This Conor McGregor. I mean, he's different. Well, well, no, no. The reason why I say they're all the same because Con- look, look, Conor will come out flashy, say a few things, take over the interview. Then Daniel will try to come in, let the guy say something, and then they'll go back and forth. And Conor will say something, and it's 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 the same. It's it's all about hype building. The more the the, the, the most important thing really is the fight itself because now. We already saw this already with with um with Kane Velasquez as Brock Lesnar. We've seen all this before. You know what I'm saying? In a sense, as far as like them building the biggest fight in UFC history. At one point, I could have sworn it was Shane Carwin versus Brock. Then I could have sworn it was Overeem versus Brock. Now then it was Kane versus Brock, and now then 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 it was Diaz versus McGregor. Then like the thing is, when it comes down to it, the most important thing is the fight. The press conference, anybody can win that. Chad, like, look, think about this, right? When, uh, um, anytime Connor fights, he wins most of the press conferences. He, even versus Floyd. He won the press conferences versus Floyd. He won the press conferences versus Diaz. You know what I'm saying? And he won the fight versus Diaz, but really the fight was close. I think more than anything, I don't look into the press conferences because the press conferences just, it's just, it's just all hype. It's all mystique. This, because, it's weird though, because this fight kind of needed something like this. Because even yeah. though this is a it sells itself fight, and it is one of those it sells itself fight, but I feel like this one has that incredible crossover potential to go past two million to really be the kind of fight that people that don't buy UFC pay per views will try to buy this one. So I'm glad they had this event. Connor was on fire in his typical self. But what's interesting under the idea, King Mo, of who actually won this is you nailed it. Connor has sort of won a percentage of the actual fight in the past from what he does at events like this. Got an eight, well, maybe he didn't get an Nate Diaz's head. Let's be honest. No, but no, no one knows no. what goes on in Nate Diaz's head. Got an Eddie's head, Eddie Alvarez. Yeah. Certainly got in Jose Aldo's head when they oh, toured okay. around the world. So the question coming in was, A, can you get in the head of somebody like Khabib Nurmagomedov, who's stone-faced, Dagestan, Russia, the bear? And B, is it smart to try to get a guy like that fired up if it comes down to who won it, I mean, from an entertainment and humorous standpoint, it was like a shutout from Connor. But I have to ask you as a fighter, is Habib the kind of beast that you want to fire up? 
because Habib was stone-faced throughout to the point where I was like, he may have won this, guys. I know you laughed at Connor's words, but Habib never cracked until at the end when Connor got crazy personal about Habib's dad, about the political side of Russia, about who the supposed sketchy people are that Habib is connected with and takes money from. Then Habib got all kinds of fired up. Some people are like, that was Connor's victory point. I'm like, hey, Connor, you don't want to get that guy fired up. You want to let the the the, the beast, the, the the bear, just lay there quietly. Where do you fall in on that? Well, when it comes down to it, if if, if they want to get something better out of that, they should do like a Max Kellerman sit down, because that way you will force Habib to speak a little bit and go back and forth. Now with the press conferences, a lot of times you can go back and forth, but it's not intimate setting, so you really can't see anything. So Habib could be like, all right, just whatever, it's whatever, blah blah blah, but. In a sit-down situation where one man's sitting here, the other man's sitting here, and I'm the mediator, that's when you see what's really going down. For instance, Miguel Cotto versus Margarito. Yes. When I saw that, when I saw that, I was like, okay. I was like, whoa, because you, you see the true mental warfare. And, and, and when you see, when you have people around laughing and talking and being loud, because you know, I'm pretty sure when Connor says something, the media started laughing and clapping and Dana got involved. I saw Dana get involved with the face off and all that stuff. But when, when that happens, it's a false security because you're watching people interact, but at the same time, you're paying attention to the crowd, but the crowd's doing. So you're not really listening and you're not really watching what's going on. Now, Habib is not, Connor's like getting Habib's head. Habib has been a, a, a sportsman for so many years coming from Russia and think about, think, if you go to Russia, you rarely see much emotion. You only yeah. see emotion after after the competition or during the competition. I've competed there so many times. You never saw fights going before the fight. But you saw fights during the matches and after the matches. Habib is smart. Habib knows what time it is. Habib knows. He, he's, a, he's a stone-faced killer, man. He's but do you want to get that guy mad? Is that smart? Because, like, McGregor didn't just go for it. I mean, he, like, worked... He went 100 on this guy. Like, yeah, yeah, you want to get him mad. You know why? Because don't forget, it's like this, right? I've been all over the world, and one thing I realized is we're all the same. We're all the same. Like, for instance, if Connor could happen to get Habib mad, if Habib fights mad, he ain't going to fight good. All right, that's what I wanted from you. So you mm-hmm. think that that would work against Habib, where I'm thinking, look, yeah, he's a technical guy. He's an incredible wrestler, but it's about – Activity and aggression for that guy. I don't know if I want to get that guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. You want to. You know why? It's a team of aggression, but every fight starts with the feet. And the thing is, Habib, in order to get hit, if he comes to Habib very aggressive like Jose Aldo did, what do you think to happen? Jose Aldo showed Conor McGregor no respect and rushed at him and got countered with a straight left coming in. I mean, I certainly see Conor's strategy there. And, I mean, it's weird because they didn't have a crowd, which Conor kept – you know, he tweeted about, he kept getting angry. He opened the press conference by being like, I don't know who runs this place, but if I was running this place, I'd have the crowd there. He feeds off the crowd. So the fact that he didn't have a crowd there to feed off of and he still put out that performance from a mental strategy, you gotta give the guy credit. I mean, he's the best, really, the best we've ever seen in this, in this era. I mean, people compare him to Ali. He's the best we've ever seen at owning a situation and consistently genius level trying to get in a guy's head, being funny, being serious. He didn't even have a crowd to work off of, no hype men, and he brought it. King Mo, he was like rabid from the start. He had his whiskey that he was, you know, trying to pedal. Like, I wasn't sure because he was so intense right away whether that was showing a little bit too many cards, showing some fear, 
or whether he was like, this is the only way I can break this guy down. Just come full bore at him the whole time. Did you sense anything in Connor that suggested weakness or him realizing that this fight is more potentially dangerous than any he's ever had in his career? Because he didn't ease into this, Kingbo. It was like zero to 60. Well, he has to go Because here's the thing, right? He has to go zero to 60. He's the star. It's like, I'm going to be real with you. When Connor speaks, I don't really find some of the stuff he says really that funny. You know, I, I just I just sit there, I'm listening, and, I'm, and the thing is, like, a lot of times, if I if I was just like not really listening, I, I just casually listening, I would find it funny. But I really sit there and listen and try to break it down to see what he's where he's going with it. And really, this best bet, if you really want to get Ed Habib, but he'd, he'd hurt a group of people, he had to speak about his religion, which you don't want to do, and he had to speak about his people and that region, which he don't want to do. So Connor's trying to find something. And throw, throw all sorts of out, all sorts of junk out there to see what will stick. Because he can't go, if he goes like towards, hey, you're a crazy Muslim, trouble. Yeah, trouble. If he speaks on Dagestan or crazy Russians too much. Well, it was weird. Tr- he tried to turn Habib against Putin. Did you see that? Did you hear that whole breakdown? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But the thing is that, the thing is that, let's be real. He, we, what, it's, it's true. It, what Connor says is true because let's say, okay. Where Habib is from, Russia, the Dagestanis, the, the Ossetians, uh, um, the Chechens are Muslim. So they look that different than the rest of Russia. They look that different. They're not looked at being typical Russians. They're looked at being Asians, Muslims. You know, they don't claim them. I remember I met a Russian and, I, and they're talking to me and they said, they asked me, have you been to Russia? I said, yeah, I've been all over Russia. And they asked me, I was like, I've been to Moscow. I've been to Krasnoyarsk. I've been to Ulan Day. I've been to um, Kafkas, I've been to Dagestan, I've been to um, Kasavert. And they laughed, the last three laughed at They're like, that's not Russia, that's Asia. They're uh. looked down upon. Yeah, they're like, they're looked down upon. They get, the, 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 those people from that region, the Caucasus region, when, they, when if they get in trouble, they get higher sentences in jail. They're treated, they're treated as second class citizens in their own country. So the stuff that Connor's going to is true, but at the same time, you don't want to have Everyone, like, all of Habib's people against him, because that's just not good. Because, look, look, all that stuff eventually comes to an end. And eventually, when, when you lose your belt and people start going away from you, then you're by yourself. And that's when it's not, that's when things come back and bite you in the ass. Yeah, well, all the Connor's never backed down from any of that. Remember, he had supposed some ties with some, uh, Irish mafia members that he knocked out in a bar and then he's, uh, uh they put a camera in front of him and he's like, he's just basically taunting and bringing it on and he kind of, you know, he closed the press conference. They did that face off. It was intense. And then Habib's manager, Ali, was yeah. started going at him and Connor went again, zero to 60 out of nowhere, started bringing up Ali's somewhat shady past or the reports out there. And dude, he's, he's not backing down from anything that, but, Damn, I mean, this guy, he got, he's got balls. He's got big time well, balls, Kingbo. Well, the thing is that, yeah, no, because the thing is when you're getting paid for it, if you're getting paid to do it, like, like, balls is when you're not getting paid to do it. It's like this. Watch this. When the fight's over with, what they're, what they're gonna do is shake hands. I guarantee you this. They're gonna shake hands. It's not, it's the beef is over. Once the fight, cause people, 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 like Connor goes gets real personal. He gets real personal, yeah. But people seem to forget it's it's ain't real life. The moment the fight ends, they're gonna be cool. They're gonna well, run it back. 
It's different though. Be like, okay, when Connor and Floyd do their whole shtick for that whole tour, right? We all know the score. We know what's really going on. That's why when that fight ends, they hug, they toast whiskey at the press conference afterwards. They are at that moment celebrating that they pulled all the money out of all of their, our pockets. Yeah. The reason why this one feels different is this actually feels like a legit grudge match. And I think if anything, the, the press conference sold that fact. If it sold yeah. it authentically that these guys hate the crap out of each other and Hello, we may have an international incident if there's not the proper security in Vegas on October 6th. And that's like, haha, funny. But no, this is really serious. And just to anyone that didn't know, the security last Thursday in Radio City Music Hall for this event was like I have never seen before. They treated us media members like, like we were potentially bringing in, you know, weapons and bombs. And, and once you came in, you, once you left, you couldn't come back. And I stepped out, realized I left something right around the corner, tried to reach back in. They're like, get out of here. Like it was intense. King Mo, the security people didn't see off camera. There was rows of, of police and security guards. So, uh, they sold that this ain't no joke. This ain't no promotion that I don't think Connor and Habib will hug no matter what happens afterwards. Like, it may be more the opposite, like you said. These words are going to come back to haunt somebody down the road. Okay, no, 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 no. Here's the thing, right? I, I'm, I'm Connor. I play like this. Habib is about business in a sense. Like, regardless of who you put in front of him, he's going to say the same thing. I'm going to smash him. Connor, in a sense, I feel like it's more of a grudge match for Connor because Connor's been hearing, "You can't beat Habib." No lie. Two years ago, when I fought Ishii. People were asking me, Mo, can Connor beat Habib? And I was like, I don't know, but it's going to be a hard fight for him. And they're like, I don't know. I don't know either. And people that were going back and forth, like, I think he could beat them. Oh, I don't know. I think, and I'm pretty sure Connor hears his own countrymen asking them, questioning them, can you beat Habib? Cause they questioned him, can you beat Aldo? But they figured he probably could, can you figure? They questioned him, can you beat Eddie Alvarez? Because Eddie Alvarez is bigger, but he did anyway. But, not like they're questioning him versus Habib. I think that bugs him because I because really. So so you think that's the real reason why he's back? Why he signed a six fight deal? Because he could have cherry picked. He could have fought anybody he wanted. This is Conor McGregor. He could have fought Diaz. He could have fought GSP. He could have fought anybody he wanted. You think that the real motivation is that people don't think he can beat Habib, and that Habib's walking around but, with his belt that he took off of Ali Aquinta in a vacant title match? No, no, no. I don't think that. I, I think that that's why the that's why the grudge is a grudge, because really. Connor is supposed to be the man, but really everyone looks at him as 1B because really 1A really is Habib. Everyone thinks Habib's the and look at the betting look at the betting odds. Who's the favorite? Habib's slight favorite. Yeah, but for right now, I, I, it, it might it might go back and forth, but I'm pretty sure that Connor probably feels disrespected because everyone's been bringing up Habib's name. They're bringing his name up. Well, so I like this because Connor, because, uh, sorry, King Mo, I'm calling you Connor here. King Mo, as fans and journalists, we get caught up in the machismo of MMA and in boxing and all that. We want fighters to fight not for money, not for business. We want them to fight for the, I want to prove without a fraction of a doubt that I'm the best in the world. And you're saying essentially with Connor, like he's already made enough money to be set for life. You're saying this is really about that. He's about that man stuff right now. That he doesn't want anyone thinking he's not the best lightweight in the world. He doesn't want this guy who slapped his teammate walking around with an unbeaten record. He's going to come back after two years and go right into the deep end for all those reasons we think. Well, no, I think that, well, I think the reason he's fighting Habib more than anything is the money. They probably offer more money to fight Habib than, than Diaz. 
But I think the reason of the grudge, the animosity, is because people don't think he's the man no more. They like him, they think he's a man because he's popular. But as far as the true man in the UFC, people don't fear Conor no more. They don't fear Conor no more. They did. But now people fear Habib. Is that because of uh, the Floyd fight and the time away and all that adding up? I think because I think more than anything because Habib's undefeated. He's beating everybody in front of him. No close fights. No, he's not. He's had he's had like a few instances where he's shown like he's human. Yeah. For the most part, Michael Johnson and he got defended some takedowns defended against him versus uh, I Quinta. But other than that, like Habib has shown he's the man. Truly, Connor showed he was the man, and he's popular, and the fans like him because let's, let's be real. Like let's be real in America. Anything that comes from Ireland in American society is a hit. Notre Dame, the Fighting Irish. Any, any Irish fighter, people love them. Connor, Connor fell into that. The, the UFC at one point was half Irish, half Italian. You know what I'm saying? And let's be real. At one point, it was obvious that UFC was looking for an Irish fighter and they're looking for an Italian fighter. So they're always seeking that. They found it in Connor. They did it. They know. So when it comes down to it, Connor is the man, like, as far as like, being a celebrity, being a good fighter, but he's not a man no more in the MMA world. Like You'll see working more. I like what you're saying right there. I like this a lot that he wants to reclaim that. Now, a lot of it yeah. though is getting Artem Lobov's back. Like Connor's intensely loyal to these teammates at SBG. We saw that when he jumped into the Bellator cage that time and, and pushed the referee and almost punched out the security guard to celebrate with his teammate, what, Charlie Fitch, whatever the guy's name was. I forgot the guy's name. The, you know, that Bellator yeah. heavy. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. He did that. All that stuff was cool, but he did. He slapped the he slapped a guy that that's not a referee, and he threw um, a thing through the bus. But that's not the same as that's cool. He has loyalty to Art. I think he probably has, has loyalty to Art Mova, But I think I think more more than anything, it's it's the money and the chance to shut the shut the um the the doubters up. Because I because because the thing is like Art Mobob, If you wanted to get revenge for Art Mobob, straight up. If, if someone touched my friend, I want to get revenge for him. The moment I saw the person that touched my friend, it's on. What was stopping Connor from swinging at Habib when Daniel standing between them? There's nothing. And, ha- and Connor could have, and let's be real, Connor could have because what was going to happen? What was Daniel going to do? What was, what, let's, let's be real, what was Daniel really going to do to Connor if he was swinging? I personally think that they had an agreement beforehand because Dana admitted that the, that the state of New York was really uncertain about allowing Connor to come in for this press conference. And we know that a couple of members of Connor's team was turned back in the airport in New York and sent back to Ireland. So I think they must have talked beforehand and said, look, if you, if either of you touch each other, you will be arrested. Connor, you'll uh, violate your probation in New York. Like you're in big time trouble because. No, I yeah, yeah, but at the same time, they say that you think, okay, let's be, let's be honest. Let's be honest, honest. Connor could have slapped or pushed Habib right then. And yeah, Connor could have got in trouble, but you think the fight would have got canceled? Well, at this point, I, Connor could have stabbed him probably. probably exactly. would have ended up in the fight. Exactly. Guess what? Anyway, guess I mean. what? All that was in the promos. It, that would be on the promos. I'm just saying the end. restraint they showed when they did the face off, cause I got nervous. Everybody got nervous. Dana got nervous, but they showed a lot of restraint. Well, yeah, not to because, touch because, because, because the thing is that there's so a lot of restraint because let's be real, like, Connor has his boys back, but he don't have his boys back to the point where there's a point where if there's a point where I think you'll have the boys back to where regardless right or wrong we're all going down you know what I'm saying but Con- Connor Connor knows Connor's like okay I'm not gonna dip it I got family he has other things that are more important so he abided by the rules 
there's no more than anything. I feel like Connor has a beef with Habib because Habib is a man now. Habib has a beef with Connor because Connor he feels like Connor is the cash cow. And hey, hey, let me beat you. I can get paid. I can be a star and get your belt. But he already has the belt. But really, truth be told, the champion of that weight class really is Connor. This is going to be a great fight. You just got to be fired up. All right. Well, I think that Connor. I use the word rabid to describe his performance at that press conference. And the people are giving him so much praise for being funny, for being so ruthless in the things he pulled out. He was so well-researched. He went after Habib's dad, bringing up skeletons in his dad. I mean, he went deep. I just feel like how rabid he was, it kind of, I don't want to say it showed me fear. It showed me that he knows how dangerous this fight is, that he's going full bore with everything he has. Look, I think it's a little bit of fear. He's throwing everything against the wall to see what sticks. The moment you see something that sticks, he's going to be like, all right, that sticks. All right, let me dig deeper in that. Because maybe if I – because here's the thing, right? If Habib goes out there – because we know he ain't going to throw hands with Connor, So you go out there and try to bum rush him and try to grab him. But the thing is he has to throw punches to set it up or he has to go and grab him. That leaves the opportunity for Connor to counter and land a shot. Connor knows all he needs is one, one shot to change the fight. So, so it's interesting. Like, what I thought was – Maybe a little bit of weakness shown by Connor. You're saying is all calculated and will actually help him in the fight because he's trying well, well, to piss maybe, Habib off maybe, into well, standing he's trying, find, he's trying to find something. That's why. That's fear. He's trying to find something. It's like Miguel Cotto, like, 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 think about this. When you're, when you're that sure or something, you don't gotta try to find nothing. Mike Tyson didn't try to find nothing. He tried to find your jaw. Yeah. You know <laughs> guys, think about it. A lot of guys that, like, once you know you're the man, you'll gotta go deep. Like, Mercado Mayorga did the same stick, but he was, he was, he was like, come on, let's fight. You know what I'm saying? But he wasn't like going and researching, trying to find out your family, your history. No, that's, look, that's too deep. What's the point of trying to know a person's history, family? Like, that's too much. That's, that's, that's like snooping around trying to get a private investigator. That's, that's fear itself, in my opinion. Interesting. So how do you, uh, to, to put a, uh, to put a uh, bow on this, Habib's performance during that, how he was, I mean, because look, Connor did, we, when we say Connor did everything, the first half of that press conference, every time Habib talked, Connor would talk over him and read the back of his whiskey bottle and do anything to just like shut up. And, and, and eventually Habib finally cracked. They had a shouting match out against each other. And then by the end, Habib got really mad. Were you, were you impressed by, by how he presented himself at all? Did you think well, that, that said anything about him? Uh, the thing is, like, you have to remember this, right? Habib's first language is not English. It's a fair point. So a lot of times, like, you know, like, it's easy to get frustrated when you can't think of the right words. Like, you know, you, you think of a word, but you want to say something that sounds good, and you're thinking, you're trying to think, you're pulling, and then you have someone yelling or someone. So go, off that alone, if you, when you can't express yourself properly and you have someone yelling over you, you're going to get frustrated and get mad. But really... He looked this, like Habib looked any different. Like people said, oh, he looked, at, but no, he looked the same to me. Like the face off, he's like, and Connor's kind of like, boo, let's boo. He was kind of was trying. He was trying too hard. Not even Floyd tries that hard. He even tried to, the thing about this, he didn't even try that hard versus Floyd. Oh, he, although, yes, Floyd was like, I think, I think versus Floyd, he knew what's up because he didn't hire a boxing coach. 
He didn't get proper sparring. It was he more kept... performance art against Floyd. Yeah, yeah, He's yeah, just trying yeah. to like come up with like a if it was like a roast or a rap battle. You know, he had yeah. he had material, but it, look, it was almost it was mostly jovial. That's why this press conference was so interesting because, like even Dana said, it was dark. It was it was serious, and there was real intensity there. So that equals dollars in the end, King Mo. And I think I think Dana's right. Two and a half million. Yeah, I mean, Connor's coming off being the B side in a fight that did four point four million buys. And now, for whatever joke of a fight that was coming in, and even though some people got fooled into thinking it would be competitive, now you know this is going to be competitive. So I look, what's the ceiling? What what's the what would be the number that surprises you that this moved? I mean, if it did three million, would you be surprised? Nah, if it did two million, I'd be surprised. You know why? Because everybody's streaming everything. Everything's getting streamed. And the thing is, now I'm like now people like people are trying to people are trying to block it, but people are trying to find more. I think that I think this will probably do about two million, which Dan's right. But which is huge. Let's not forget yeah, that's huge. Now, yeah, but, but really, if it does two million, then it really should have done three because I'm pretty sure people stream it. Like, who knows how many people are streaming it? You see, if you think about it, like millions of people are streaming these fights. You know what I'm saying? So I, I think I think I hope for Habib and Connor could do a, a lot so he can make a lot of money for them. But I think maybe two million, even even Floyd. Like, I, I think Floyd if Floyd would come back now, Floyd wouldn't break would, wouldn't break two million. Uh, I can't. Well, Maybe. Floyd, as you probably saw when he was in Tokyo, announced that he wants Pacquiao again. That was a week and a half ago, and then Bob Arum and Top Rank goes, "Hey, we're done with we're done with Manny Pacquiao," which surprised a lot of people. Which really opens the door for Maypac two to actually happen, maybe in December or maybe early next year. I think I, that could still do two million. I don't know, man. Look, think about this, right? Think about how far Manny Pacquiao's fallen. Yeah. Well, they did get him a, a knockout win over the summer. They propped him up. You know, his first knockout yeah, in like but, a decade. But, but, but. But on ESPN. In which he apparently lost a ton of money. Yeah, that, that's – it's so, – yeah, so, 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 so that's what I'm saying. Like, the, even even Floyd is falling from great – Floyd's still a man, but it's a, out of sight, out of mind. And Floyd's retired how many times now? So after a while, like, you're like, ah. And then, like, you know, I, I just don't the, – the, 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 the face-off – not face-off, but the – Video of Floyd and Pacquiao really didn't get that much traction. The first time when they went to the basketball game, that got traction. That was on ESPN. That was on every website. That was everywhere. But now this last one just seemed like I mean, it me, seemed it, like a shameless money grab, and he tried to and drop it, it the day of stayed, Triple G Canelo and seemed staged because. What was Pacquiao, what was Pacquiao doing there by Floyd? He looked uncomfortable, looked out of place. Oh, he looked like, he, Pac- place. Pacquiao looked like he was getting used in that moment. Yeah, like, I um, have a belt, I have a belt. And, Floyd, and then you see Floyd dancing. And by I the just, way, it's like a bastardized secondary welterweight title. Like, it's not even like a real title. It's like that fake yeah. one that the WBA puts out. This, this, this. Yeah, yeah, the, 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 the um, regular, they the regular yeah. super and intercon, yeah, so, but things, but I, I don't know, I just, I don't know, man, just, Money, money, money. It's what it comes money, down money. to. Money, Tito, money. Tito, Chuck money. Three. Money will get anybody to do anything, you know. Wow. Hey, we got to get right into John Jones because this was massive news. So John Jones, we know, knocked out Daniel Cormier July come of 27. Let me say something. Say something. Yeah, we you called it. You called it. You, what, you, let me say, let me, let me say, I don't mean to cut you off, but you said, Mo, something isn't right. They haven't missed nothing about John Jones. 
I would be surprised if he if suspensions overturned or retroactive something. And you said he's like it's just funny to me. You, you called this. Nobody you talking about it. Nobody tweeting about it. Yeah. And then guess what? It. The news just pops in there. Oh, hey, by the way, he's back, and there's no problems. It, this is look. I got it. This is a real moral dilemma because it's really exposes the whole system how John Jones got cleared. There's a lot of little details that are sketchy about it. Yet, let's be really honest. Do we want to see a UFC or an MMA world with John Jones in it at age 31? Of course we do. I'd rather see him in there than not in there. I'm not one of these guys that's necessarily saying, who, who cares about drug tests? Let anybody do what they want, blah, blah, blah. It's an antiquated thing. You'll never catch him. I do agree with parts of that. I think you'll never catch him. The drugs are too sophisticated. I think that people can just beat tests left and right. But you got to have some system in there. And Jones, the timeline's weird, right? Knocks out Cormier last July. A month later, pops dirty, gets suspended. But then never has his USADA trial. And all along, you're hearing from Jones Camp over the last year that they got a beef. They got a story. It's a tainted supplement. He only tested positive for metabolites of the banned steroid. Not the full steroid. All the stuff. But let's not forget, he's a second-time offender. So he was facing a minimum of two years, a maximum of four. And what does he get in the end? They bring in an independent arbitrator. Then USADA cuts off another 30 months off the suspension. He gets 15 months, and he's clear to come back October 28th, just in time for UFC 230, November 3rd in MSG, although Dana surprisingly says that's not going to happen. And King Mo, we all thought last Thursday at that Connor press conference in New York, that Dana was just suddenly going to magically announce, you know, John Jones Gustafson 2 or John Jones Daniel Cormier 3. None of that happened. But how do you, how does this guy get the full, the full benefit of the doubt on this when if you read the fine print of what you saw to put out there, they didn't find the source. It's not like they proved it was a tainted supplement and I'm arguing that as a second time offender, we should have a stiffer punishment. They didn't even find the, they're just saying, the, the USADA in the end said, we have found that John couldn't have knowingly taken. Like, what the hell's going on here? I don't know, man. Um, uh, I, I really, I honestly, I really don't know, man. You know, um, it's about the money, I guess. I mean, it is about, obviously it's about the money. And, and again, King, but we and, can't and, lie and, here. And, and, and now this, this kind of brings up a fact that like, well, now I'm trying to realize like people in the past, remember years ago, people like, Floyd owns Usada, and I'm and I was thinking, nah, never, nah, Usada's, nah, Usada's, like, you know, no, nah, never, never. And it was like Vada, Vada. Now I'm trying to see like why you know, people are about, you know, forget Usada, let's go with Vada. Well, that's what MMA fans don't realize is that what you just said. Usada had a horrific boxing reputation before you before UFC brought in Usada as their doping partner. And suddenly they're nailing everyone in UFC. So there's a writer in boxing named Thomas Hauser who writes for the Sweet Science, yeah, a couple of other people, long to, uh, Muhammad Ali biographer, a longtime boxing guy. He put out a story within the last two months where he went back and researched USADA's drug testing in boxing. And he, and he, and he basically counted that they did over 2,000 tests and they only reported one failed test. It was Eric Morales ahead of the Danny Garcia rematch when yep, he yep, tested positive for tainted beef in the steroid. And that no, was only reported the, because the media caught wind of it and the New York State Commission put it out there. And then they had to report it. And by the way, that was a whole sketchy situation because they let Morales fight anyway, even though he tested positive. So what what uh, Thomas Hauser is saying here, King Mo, is you've done 2,000 tests, 2,000, and you haven't had more than one reported failure 
Are you kidding me? Yet then UFC launches USADA? And there's failures left and right. So his theory is that UFC knew they were entering into the big sale in 2016. WME IMG was going to buy the company from the Fertitas, and they wanted the image of a clean sport. So to get the image of a clean sport, you have to have a bunch of failed tests. You have to say, we're, we're cleaning things up. We're in boxing where no one cares because it's the wild friggin' West. There's no pop tests. But yet on VADA, the, the more trusted one, which, by the way, is cheaper to use than USADA and does deeper testing, but the promoters pay more to use USADA. Why? You tell me why. The thing, the thing is, I don't know the deeper testing because one thing, okay, VADA uses CIR. VADA and USADA both use CIR, but VADA uses it more. But then USADA uses the biological passport test. So what they do is we'll come and test you, keep your baseline, and then they'll, they'll study, they'll compare all your tests to the baseline. Now, if something's thrown off, like that, remember that girl that fought in Dallas where her testosterone levels were all messed up when she fought Jessica Aguilar, the Courtney Casey? Yes. And they, they, they ran her drug test versus the baseline. Well, I guess, I guess the baseline is what cleared her because when she popped, when she popped, I guess something was thrown off the testing and they compared it to the baseline. She got off from that. But they both do the same, they both have the same, they're both comparable. Vada is cheaper. I feel like Vada is more, more neutral in a sense. Vada's out there to do the job. Usada, I don't know anymore. You well, know Vada's run by a former like, doctor, do- Dr. Margaret Goodman, who was like the, I, I've been, I mean, the Vegas boxing shit. doctor forever. Yeah. So she has her, certain yeah. intentions of cleaning up and taking care of the fighters and keeping a clean sport. Whereas Usada, it doesn't seem that way, King Mo. And that whole Thomas Hauser report is real interesting, as is how Floyd has manipulated Usada in the past, as is this John Jones situation, where technically they followed all the rules in USADA's bylaws. So so it's not like there's outright blatant corruption in your face, but John Jones certainly had advantages that other fighters didn't have. He had a worse case scenario than Tom Lawler had, and Lawler instantly got a two-year ban as a first-time offender, and then as soon as his two years was up, UFC cut him. Whereas John Jones had a worse scenario couldn't prove where the the supposed tainted supplement had come from. They tested everything in in his in his medicine cabinet, if you will. They couldn't find a link to the to the steroids, and yet he pays all that money. They have all these secret meetings, apparently, and then they just announce that he's clear. There's not enough uh, showing us the, the sausage being made here. There, I mean, we hadn't heard anything about John Jones. Every time you you talk to his agent, they say, "Oh, we're gonna have you out of hearing soon." It's a year later, and then they tell you they brought in an independent arbiter. And that arbiter trimmed a little bit off the suspension, but USADA trimmed 30 months. And the actual reasoning from USADA was, let's give John Jones the benefit of the doubt. He's a two-time offender with a history of felonies outside of drug testing. Like, this is not a guy to trust. I know money speaks in the end, and I know there's that moral dilemma I just said. Would I rather see a UFC world with John Jones? Yes, I would. Okay, so maybe, but this is really sketchy, King Mo. Well, I think more than anything... John Jones beat it he with money and with help from the UFC. Yes, I'm, that's what it looks like. It looks like that all the way. Sure. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure you saw that turn the blind eye. Was like, well, help him. Uh, all right, y'all got the, y'all got your back together. Well, let me see what y'all got. Hmm. Hmm. Okay, because people are saying that John Jones snitched, or I don't know what he did. Who knows what he did? Nobody knows. But John Jones. And oh, his you team. just brought up an interesting point. Yes, to get John Jones' uh, sentence trimmed, to get that additional thirty months trimmed off. Because, by the way, this could have changed John Jones' career. He's 31. He could have been out two or four years. It would have altered his career forever. 
he had to snitch on other people, which is part of the USADA bylaws. If you, if you are helpful with them, if you try to bring down the larger dealers and snitch on other people that are using, you'll get your sentence reduced. So I'm not here to morally attack John Jones for snitching because I mean, if it was a drug bust with the police, it'd be the same thing. I mean, it is what it is right there. I'm just here to like, it's just, look, the fact that they were not transparent about it all, Kimo, the fact that the news just drops out of nowhere, it's just a bunch bro, of BS. Bro, bro, bro hear, hear, hear me out. This is entertainment. It's not true sport. This ain't the Olympics. Look, the one thing the Russians said and the Europeans said to me that's true is true sports happen in the Olympics. And to honestly, that's how I see it. True sports, the sports of the tournament, tournament back, tournament format are, tr- are true sports. I feel like this is entertainment. They can, they can come and change the rules, modify it to where people get, get the product that they will to pay for. That's what they're doing. They know, they know John Jones is a cash cow and they need it back. They need him back. John Jones brings money. He's a, a, a figure. He's very famous, popular. Bring him back. And what can be done? John Jones got a good lawyer. He's a team behind him. The UFC helping him. Usada playing the the Ray Leonard. <laughs> and by the way, there's and, been a lot of misdirection from the UFC. They're not. They're, they got some blame too. Do you remember after he failed the test, UFC released a week later? Oh, John Jones passed these other tests. These other tests didn't test for the drug that John popped for. Like it was all misdirection. Even Dana's quote the other day was, "Science doesn't lie. Science is never wrong." You know, like dude. They didn't find the source of it. Like, this is just... Okay, so put that aside now, all right? Maybe he had more privileges because he's a star. He has more money. Maybe UFC helped him out. They probably did. The only credit I can give UFC is that they didn't run right out and just say, hey, guess what? John Jones is back, and he's saving 230 in MSG, and he's headlining it. Now you got Dana saying, no, 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 maybe early next year, blah, blah, blah. John's not in great shape right now, blah, blah, blah. Is that real, King Mo, in your eyes? Or or is that a smokescreen for now? And then a week from now, Dana's going to come out and go, hey, guess what? John Jones is coming back at 2.30. He is saving the day. He's going to be a headliner. He won't be at 2.30. He'll be somewhere at the end of the year. Um, and another thing is John ain't out of shape. Come on, man. He's had to, like, that's the thing. Like, if he comes back at 2.30, don't you think he's probably in training camp now, knows who he's going to fight? Probably Gustafson in a rematch. Like, well, this is like. Well, yeah, yeah, I don't know if he's going to come back for 2.30. Probably not, but I'm pretty sure he'll come back before the end of the year. And he'd been, and he'd been training. I'm pretty sure he's been training. You know what I'm saying? And he's been prepared. I'm pretty sure he's been knowing he's going to beat this for a while. You know, so he's been training, man. It's, he's been training. All right. DC Daniel Cormier's comments was very interesting. Now, now right up the start, he was like, I got a Brock Lesnar fight. It's a, you know, that's more money than John Jones. Why would I care about John Jones? So there's some posturing there. There's some anger, but the key comment DC made was, okay, this is what happened. Then, hey, Usada. No more showing up at my house at 6 a.m. Like, what's the point? No more of this. Cause I passed 90 to 100 drug tests going back to my amateur wrestling days, never had one issue, and you're still showing up at my house early and waking me up and trying to get like, no more. I mean, true or false, King Mo, this whole John Jones situation exposed the USADA UFC relationship and their system as not rock tight, not rock solid, not airtight as a joke, and DC's got a point here. Well, not just the John Jones, other situations I'm pretty sure that we don't know about. Boxing, Floyd exposed it first. It came to MMA, John Jones. I'm pretty sure there are other people we don't know about that, you know what I'm saying, um, that you saw as like, you know, showing prefer- preferential treatment to. Would so you, we don't know about it, but. Would you be okay if UFC stripped Daniel Cormier of his light heavyweight title? 
because on, I guess under protocol, the last time that happened where a guy held two titles at one time, Conor McGregor, UFC 205, they made him choose after that which one he wanted. So he had to give up the featherweight title. He kept the lightweight one for two years and didn't fight. But my point is, would you be okay if UFC strips DC and then books John Jones, Alexander Gustafson in the rematch of their 2013 classic, one of the probably maybe the best fight in UFC history, and John Jones gets rewarded the same way that Brock Lesnar will be with his title shot coming off a failed steroid test, the same way that Darren Till did after he missed weight by four pounds and got a title shot, the same way that uh who else is on that list of Oh, yeah, Conor McGregor got a felony arrest, and his reward was a title shot. Would you be okay if they took that belt away from D.C. and booked that fight, or are you just at this point, dude, stop stop trying to play the moral high ground. It's friggin', uh, it's friggin dirty entertainment, and you, and that's your job. Your job is to cover dirty entertainment, so just cover the damn thing. Yeah, I think personally they shouldn't strip Daniel. They should let Gustafson and John Jones fight for the contender, fight the winner of that title shot. Do it that way. Why punish Daniel for, for winning? He did nothing wrong. There's no true contender at 205. At least with John, with, 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 um, with, uh, um, Connor, there were contenders. There was a, um, there was a, um, a T City at 145 coming up. There was a, a Frank Yeager coming up. There were guys there that were winning. 205 is still a lot of questions in there. Gustafs ain't fighting a while. Um, I, Jones is gone. Um, Corey, uh, Corey Anderson's been winning. You just, but there's no true, Alir Latifi's there. There's no true, um, number one contender. So, un- until they find that out, just let Jan hold the belt. And then when they find out who the contender is, ask Daniel, hey, you want to defend your belt at 205? If he doesn't, strip him and let someone else fight for the belt. Alright, so ethics aside, morals aside, John Jones coming back is Big news for UFC, especially coming off of this two-year run with, with, with not with the star power being gone when Connor was away, Ronda was away. All oh, we know that story altogether. But think about this: I mean, if you do John Jones Gustafson rematch for the light heavyweight title, that's monster. You do DC Brock for the heavyweight title, that's monster. And then you potentially do Brock. I'm sorry, DC John Jones three for the heavyweight title. Holy crap, King Mo, that's big business. That's fights we care about. There's a built-in story. There's history on the line. Like, wow, you, you got some awesome fights coming up. And that's where this is a tough moral dilemma. Because I don't want to be the guy in the street corner with the picket sign saying, let's not forget Conor McGregor just had a felony arrest, guys. Like, nobody cares anymore, Campbell. I get it. So maybe we just forget that. We had our moment with the with the morality. It's gone. You'd be pretty damn excited for John Jones DC3 at heavyweight with all that legacy and history and anger on the line, right? I mean, that's pretty, that's, that's pretty, that's about one of the best stories you can build there. Well, the legacy for Daniel and John Jones already set. This is not money because it's already set. You know what I'm saying? The two great fighters. Now it's a, it's a modern controversy, the past two fights. The third one is going to be in controversial too. Let's just hope they both get paid because regardless, the third one, say Daniel loses, DC fans are going to be like, look, Jones should be suspended. Well, I guess what I say history is if DC beats John Jones and, yeah. Oh, yeah. and we're told it's clean and clear, they both passed drug tests and it's for the heavyweight championship and he finally gets the John Jones off yeah. his back, he's going to have a case to be the greatest fighter of all time. Like, because John Jones, in my mind, still, drugs or not, is the greatest MMA fighter I've ever seen. If DC beats him and fixes the only hole in his resume, DC's the GOAT, King Mo. Yeah, he could be, man. You know what I'm saying? We'll see, we'll see what happens when they fight. Right. But see, hopefully they book it because I'm, I'm under, under the impression that Daniel might be done after 
Brock Lesnar fight, maybe. No, dude, Daniel said he's retiring at 40 in March, but let's be honest. He's staying for John Jones. That's the only fight that he's staying around for. The money, Daniel never made this kind of money until he just beat Stipe. This is big time money, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So, alright, we gotta, we gotta wax on and roll on here. Tyron Woodley defended that welterweight title against Darren Till at UFC 228. We never got a chance to talk about the fallout. Now, the update is that Woodley will now need hand surgery. He's going to miss 8 to 12 weeks. He will not be in that UFC 230 main event against Colby Covington, so we'll talk about that card in a second. But apparently I was one of the only people, along with you, King Mo, who said no one appreciates Woodley, and he's going to beat that ass against Darren Till. And, King Mo, that was one of the most one-sided, thorough, you're-not-in-my-league Dominant performances in Dallas. I'm happy that the narrative finally changed. That people are going, oh wait, no, he's not this boring joke of a fighter. Don't listen to Dana White anymore. Woodley's one of the best pound for pound fighters in the world and he just absolutely destroyed another potential UFC poster boy. Well done. Well done. I mean, I, 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 I'm honest with you. Chill Sherry will fight for that belt. I'm right. glad, I'm, I'm, he did, he got what he got, but let's be real, like, um, it should have been Kobe or somebody else that, that's worth, you know, till no, no, I, I, I you know, he, he's talented. He's, he's been winning, but he never really made weight. You know what I'm saying? So I really feel like that should have been Kobe's fight from the rip. They should wait for Kobe to get healthy. And I thought that fight happened because if say, say till with a one, then what Kobe versus till like, you know, I don't know. Things, uh, things are just weird right now. Look. Look at what Woodley's done. He's beaten every style. He's dominated people. So with John Jones and Connor not eligible for pound for pound at the moment because they've both been out for more than a year, both have a lot of issues going on, my updated pound for pound right now, tell me if you love or hate it. I know you're not a big pound for pound guy, but but deal with me here. Number one, Daniel Cormier. Number two, TJ Dillashaw. Number three, Tyron Woodley. What do you got? What do you got? You like that? You hate it? What do you got? Man, number one would be Daniel with Cyborg. Well, well, let's keep the female separate. She's number one on the on, on the women's. Side. I, I know, but I'm talking about because me, I look at MMA, MMA, like, you know, because women, women MMA, is, I because Cyborg's been undefeated for who knows how long. You know what I'm saying, like forever. So I feel like you have to throw Cyborg in there. Daniel Cyborg, I would say Dillashaw or yeah, I'd say Dillashaw, Dillashaw or um, Cejudo. You know what I'm saying? I have to get Cejudo in there. Dillashaw, Cejudo, and... I gotta see him beat DJ for real. I didn't think he beat DJ last time, but... but Yeah, but still, but he was still still competitive. The fact that he was still competitive, it went five rounds, and people were like, hey, you saw... uh, People say he won, people say he lost. You know, um... I don't know. Power Pound is just... It's weird, man, because it pretty much... It could change based on who fought most recently. Very true. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a in the moment, uh, debate, of course. That's, that's what I love about Pop. People think it's a joke. I actually think it's the most important thing because sometimes people have titles when they're not even the best in their division and they're fighting Michael Bisping situation. They're fighting celebrity fights rather than fighting the contenders. To me, pound for pound is the only true currency. But did you listen to Tyron Woodley's single he just put out? I'll beat your ass. Did you get a chance to hear it? Yeah, I heard it. I heard it. All right. You got any, got any reports for us? A, a, a critique? A, a review? Uh- well, I heard a bad audio of it, so like it was like I'm in, I'm gonna go on YouTube to listen. To it. I heard a little audio. My boy is like, check it out. It went from his phone. I was like, it's cool, man. It's cool. It's like, it has a little um, like a little 2000 rap rap feel. You know what I'm saying? Early 2000s rap feel. But Woodley's doing his thing, though, man. I hope he can. I like that he's selling himself. He's promoting yeah. himself. I hope he can parlay this because, like, really, it's hard to be an athlete or an actor and going to music. 
Everyone else that before him has failed, like not failed, but not sounded like good. Eddie Murphy didn't sound like good. Deion Sanders sounded horrible. Oh, he was bad. You know, Shaq, not bad in the beginning. So Shaq, yeah, Shaq, well, Shaq got better because when he first came out, I'm a true, what, with, with, with food chickens was terrible. But then when oh, he came out. Oh, come on. I love that song. Come on. No, but, but listen, can't stop the rain. You can't stop the rain was his best, his best song. Can't stop the rain. Look that up. R e i g n. You can't stop the rain. That was my jam. You're forgetting about the best <laughs> athlete rapper of all time. <laughs> Yo, must have forgot. Come on, that's 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 my jam no, right no, there. No, listen, listen, he was the first. Honestly, Roy Jones was the first person because y'all must forgot. But then he had a song called "I Smoke, I Drink," and when that came out, that's what put him like. Y'all must forgot put him in the forefront, but I smoke out a drink, actually put him in the clubs. You know what I'm saying? And he will, he smoked, yeah, I don't really, name of the song is I smoke out a drink, but I'm pretty sure Roy Jones didn't do neither while he was champion. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, to close on Woodley here, Dana says Colby's next. It makes sense. Colby's the interim title holder, or maybe he's not. I don't even know if that belt's still around, but, <laughs> but really, let's be honest here. Here's a fight that won't happen, that should happen. Woodley versus GSP. Why would that, I know why it's not gonna happen. Because I think GSP knows he would lose that, and GSP's just trying to add to his resume, his legacy, which I think that will end up meaning a lightweight title shot, cause it seems like he's slimming down. But, for Woodley's career, GSP Woodley would be amazing for a chance to say, the former king's still around, and he never lost, and I'm gonna be the one that, that executes him for good. And that would really allow Woodley to make a case that he's the best welterweight. He doesn't have enough title defenses to be on the Matt Hughes GSP level right now, but that a win like that, I wish he was given that chance. If Woodley was a golden boy like Connor, he would be given that chance. Instead, he's yeah. a pariah to Dana. Well, not a pariah. Well, yeah, private. Even if he's a golden boy right now, he wouldn't get that chance for GSP unless they, the UFC threw enough money at him. Because I think GSP just don't really don't want to fight. All that slimming down to 155 sounds cool, but I don't think it's going to happen. Right. I think he's just saying it to keep his name out there. Because he's done it before. Well, he's calculated. He's like, yeah. he when he yeah. makes a decision to do something, he does it. It just takes him a long ass time to get there. No, yeah, no, because because he, he waits for the right time. Because he has a he has a plan. He like for instance, I'm gonna come back to 25. Said that he had a plan. Oh, who's the champ? Warhawk? Nah, I'll pass. Ramirez Tender? <laughs> nah, I'll pass. Bisping? Oh, snap! Take my shirt off. I'm ready. He's not smart. He's, he's not dumb. No, he's, he's a smart, smart guy. Yeah, he's gonna he's gonna come when you can see a chance. So we see a weak, um, weak champion or a person, a, a person with weaknesses he can, he can exploit in the fight. He will come back for that. But a guy like Woodley, he can't take him down. He cannot strike Woodley. He could try to, but the thing is Woodley let him play lead and Woodley counter punch him and take him down. So, uh, George knows he ain't ready for that. And George knows he don't ready, he ain't ready to put, to put in a camp to go through hell. Yeah. Cause that's the hardest part. It's a bad fight are, for you George. To, yeah, are you willing to get in a training camp? And put yourself through hell to get into a fight to put yourself through hell again wow. and lose, quite possibly. All right, then I need a prediction from you because this UFC 230, November 3rd, MSG, right? UFC does not bag the MSG cards. They bring it. We had Conor Eddie Alvarez in a loaded card. Last year we had that GSP Bisping in that loaded card. What will be the main event? Is it going to be... GSP Silva, is it going to be something we never thought of? Is it, I mean, it's not going to be Tyron Woodley. Apparently, it's not going to be John Jones. I don't think it's going to be Daniel Cormier. What do you got, Kingmo? Give me what would be, what can you put atop that card where we would still go, damn, that's an MSG card right there? Uh, honestly, I have no idea. 
Valentina is fighting, um, when, when Valentina is fighting, uh, um, Joanna, when? That is going to be in December, December 8th in Toronto. Yeah. I, I, honestly, I can't tell you. I mean, I would, really would Rose coming back, would Rose Namajunas coming back against Andrade? I mean, I don't think you did, you need to rush that. That's not a main event. Um, you, well, you think you gotta build that because, you know, you gotta build that a little bit more. I mean, is it, Nick Diaz is out there? Can we do a double Diaz card? I mean, what I don't want them to do is just create a 165 pound title and put it on Nate Diaz versus Poirier and say, oh yeah, we need a title that we need a, cha- a championship fight to, to, to run this card. So here's a new title. Just go fight for it. Like, I don't want to see something like that. I'd take GSP Anderson Silva. I'd take it. I'd take it, King Mo. I like nostalgia. Yeah, I, 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 I wouldn't know because GSP's not really. He's not trying. He's not trying to fight Anderson. No, no, he's, he's trying not to... trying to fight. Him. You, I, 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 if I, if anything, I get. I, what they could do is have a, a violence, have like a, a violent co-main event, and then have Diaz versus Poirier as the main event. Is there any chance that we just don't know that they've been talking to GSP and they said we need you to save this card, and we know you only care about history and adding to your legacy, so. We're going to create that fake 165 title. You're going to fight for it against Kevin Lee, bro. Go make history. Be the first triple champion we've ever seen. Save our card at MSG. Uh, ain't going to happen. All right. All right. Nah, but, uh, but don't be surprised if Kevin Lee, Kevin Lee step in and fight somebody. But if I were DOC, if you can't find a good paper, pay, good uh, co-main event, I just have the first three cards, the first three fights in the televised card be like, you know, six violent fighters. Six violent fighters that have no have no defense. They just know how to come forward. I like Nick, you know Nick and Nate in the main and co-main. Nick and Nick get... and, yeah, Nick and Nate versus Nick and Nate versus um like Nate versus Mike Perry. Yeah, that's that's pretty damn violent. All right, you mentioned a great fight that I'm very happy is happening. UFC 231, December 8th, Toronto for the vacant women's flyweight championship. It's Shevchenko. It's Young Jacek. It's a hella great fight. But like a lot of decisions the UFC makes, King Mo, we'll celebrate how excited we are. But we got to talk about the shadiness that got us here. Nico yeah. Montano, you just got played. You lost your championship at UFC 228 without defending it because you were hospitalized for a really tough weight cut ahead of that fight against Shevchenko. It would have been Nico's first title defense. We were already talking about she's the biggest underdog champion coming into a fight in UFC history. And they did her dirty, King Mo, because the same damn thing happened to Amanda Nunez the year before when she was going to rematch Shevchenko. She was hospitalized. She couldn't make weight. They said, don't worry. We'll reschedule it. Like three months from now, you'll be fine. Well, actually not. Dana ripped her publicly and said she'll never main event again, which was a, another Dana lie. But, uh, no, for Nico, they, they did her Durandomy style. They're like, take that belt. That's ours. Nice talking to you. No one will ever mention your name again. Can you yeah. defend the UFC's actions at all, Kingbo? Nah. Well, I can because it's their company. They can do what they want. They make the rules. But at the same time, that shows that they don't respect their champions. They're willing to do that. But they, respect, it's their fault. But, they rushed that title out there. They yeah, were yeah. the one that let her fight late replacement Roxy Matafuri in a fight that nobody cared about in the Ultimate Fighter final. It, they made that be a title that didn't matter. It's their damn fault. If you wanted that title to matter, then you would have made Shevchenko versus Young Jacek. You would have waited for it. Yeah, or, or, or they could have had a – what they should have done if they wanted the belt to matter, they should have had a big tournament. Had a big tournament, and the winner of the tournament is a champion. 
And then from then on, you then you, then you reshuffle well, the deck. I guess in theory they did an Ultimate Fighter, but they didn't have big names, you know. I mean, yeah, 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 but yeah it's, it's, exactly. But the, you know, the Ultimate Fighter they just did it for TV. They could just had a, a, had like if they wanted to they had like a women's tournament, and been, and and had it spread out. It's the same mismanagement that they did at Featherweight, where they created a division for Cyborg. Cyborg wasn't ready. So then they put Holly Holm undeservingly in a fight with Durandamy, hoping that Holly Holm would win, and that she lost. And then they stripped Durandamy for not fighting Cyborg, which, by the way, Durandamy didn't fight Cyborg because she thought Cyborg was on drugs and didn't trust the drug testing. And they didn't honor that. They said, no, give us our damn belt back. We don't care about you anymore. It's ah, it's a wild entertainment business, King Mo. But, again, just like the result being John Jones coming back, this guy's in for because I'm a fan of MMA. Shevchenko, Young Jacek is a badass fight at 125. Young Jacek, the former champion at 115, one of the best female fighters ever. Shevchenko coming down from Bantamweight and their history in Poland of having had three kickboxing bouts in which Shevchenko won all three. This is a damn good fight, but is, is Joanna too small? What's going to happen here? What's this going to no, look no, like? No, 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 Joanna's not too small. Joanna's Actually, a 125er, you know what I'm saying? She cuts a lot of weight to make 115. Now, now, this is a crazy thing. In, um, what's her name? Valentina is small for 135. She's really, she's really a, tr- a true 125 pounder. She's been fighting up the whole time. So now you're going to fight two women that should be fighting the right weight class. Yo, Joanna should have been to 125 like three or four fights ago. Yeah, she has some seriously hard weight cuts that she goes through, and she's been honest about how, like, she wants to have children one day, and she's worried that this, like, is such negative effect on your body that it's unhealthy. Yeah, um, I think, I, I know our strength, our strength coach is happy, because our strength coach has been trying to talk her into going to 125 for the past year. Well, that, there's a weird thing with that. So after she lost to Rose the first time, she was going to go to 125, and it was UFC that told her, no, stay at, Stay at 115. Okay, so they did a rematch. She lost it. Great fight. Then she was going to go to 125 again. And it was UFC saying, no, stay at 115. Now they're saying, okay, come up now, because now we got, we got that belt off Montano. We, we did our dirty there. We, we, the yeah, hit yeah. was, the hit was laid out. But man, this will be great. And seriously, if Joanna wins, I mean, she's the first female two division champion. I mean, that, that's, that's a damn good. She was already on her way to, you know, challenging Rousey's title defense record when she lost to Rose. And she can do it in another division. She's no, I mean, she's already an all-timer. I love Joanna. There's no, we can't say anything bad about her, Kimo. Don't, we, I won't tolerate on the show. There's nothing yeah. bad to say. She's real cool. She's real cool. Cool as hell. Hard worker. But I like, I like Joanna. And I like Shevchenko too. I thought she had a, yeah. you know, I thought that second Nunez fight she could have won. She's sort of been the bridesmaid for a while. This will be very good. Hey, Kingmo, sad news. Japanese legend Kid Yamamoto yeah. passes away at 41. And in, he had posted on Instagram in August that he had been diagnosed with cancer. This came as a surprise to a lot of people. Do you have memories? Have you ever met the kid? What are you, what are you going to look back on fondly looking back on his run? I met kid before, um, in, in California. And the crazy thing is I met him and I knew his background because he went to school, high school in Arizona. So we know some of the same people. So I approached him and he tried playing me because like sometimes the Japanese act like we can't speak English. <laughs> So I walked up to him and I was like, "What's up, man?" He's like, acting crazy. Like, Come on, man, you're from Arizona. You went to Mar- you went from Maryville. We know some of the same people. You know, so my boy Richard knows you, and he's like, "Oh, you know Richard." Also, he started acting American. Oh, that's great. But he was a cool kid, very intense man. Honestly, a legend. Him and Sakuraba and um, Takada and Anoki put Japanese MMA 
on the map. Yeah, I, I, I can't argue with that. He was just 41, born in Japan, Norafumi Kid Yamamoto. He, by the time he got to UFC, we didn't really see the best of him. I mean, the best of him was, was in Japan. The best of him was in the early days. He finally made his UFC debut in 2011 at the end of his run. He had four fights, three losses, and one no contest. But when we saw him back in, uh, in Dream, K1, Heroes, Chudo, that, those were the days. Yeah, that was, that was his peak. Um, that was his peak. He was still, he was still fresh from wrestling. I think as he got older, he lost interest in it. He lost interest in MMA. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, just, I don't know, just kind of kept himself and was like in the background. Really didn't, you really didn't hear much from him. He, I think he just lost interest in MMA or being around MMA as a whole. Right, that's tough news, but we roll on. UFC Sampaio over the weekend in Brazil, Sao Paulo. I'm sorry, I mispronounced. I always mispronounce that all over the place. Uh, did you did take any takeaways from that? It was a it was a last minute main event with Eric Anders uh, against uh, Thiago Santos. Uh, the only headline I pulled from it was my guy Henan Burrell. I'm still Team Baron, but he missed weight by nearly five pounds, and then he went out there and lost. And now that's six L's in eight appearances. The guy's only 31, but King Mo, he fell. He didn't slide off the cliff. He fell to the bottom off the cliff after that Bantamweight title run. Who the hell signed on to let this guy try to cut back down to 135 again? It's tough to see. It's tough to see, King Mo. I, I was Team Baron for many years. It's uh, hey, I see him in the gym. He trains hard. I think the thing is the weight cut is, hurt, help, is hurting his progress because, really, he, is, he has the tools, and he can actually build on them tools, but he spends so much time worrying about this weight. You know what I'm saying? Which is, ah, it's, uh, hopefully he goes up, but hopefully I don't cut him. He should go to 145 and just see what happens there. I mean, but that's the thing. He already thing. did. He already did go up, you know, yeah. and, and, and it didn't work out. He wasn't making weight. He's fighting catch weights. Comes back to bantam weight. He's lost two in a row. Andre Ewell was the guy who took the split decision from yeah, him. Right, yeah. And his chin just isn't there anymore. That's, that's really yeah. the biggest problem. But he had good moments in this fight. I mean, Burrell took him down in the first round. He looked good. I don't want to make this uh, all about Burrell, but damn, he was on top of the world. Let's not forget just what? Four years ago with Dana saying this guy's the pound-for-pound king. He's the monster. And after yeah. losing the two fights to TJ, man, it's been dark. It's been really dark. Uh If he gets a call from Scott Coker, I won't I won't, I won't. be mad at him, but uh I wonder what his UFC future is. It'll be interesting to see. Yeah, I don't know what's going to happen, man. We're going to see. We're going to see. Hey, do you have any interest November 9th for a World Bare Knuckle Fighting Federation card that will include former UFC welterweight champion Johnny Hendricks against recently retired Bellator banger Brennan Ward? When I read that, I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm into this. I'll, I'll be watching that. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely that, – that's pretty interesting. I, I feel like BKB might be the next new wave of, of uh, combat sports that hits America. There's two Bare Knuckle Federations, but this is the one there's that three, hasn't – There's three. Did, there's three. three? Oh, wow. BKB, World World Bare Knuckle Fighting Federation, which signed Sean Merriman, which they has, should all just merge. Came up. we don't need three and, of them. And, and, and then they have one that takes place in Mississippi. Um, that's the one that Crazy Horse fought in. That's the one that Joy Beltran fights in. Yeah, that's the one that has a heavyweight tournament. All right, we'll see. I mean, Johnny Hendricks had also, like Barrow, had a tough fall after losing his title. We'll see where this goes, Kingbo. We got to close with a couple points here. One of the big ones is Bellator two hundred six this weekend. Streaming live on DAZN, it'll be their first DAZN exclusive card, I believe, from the SAP Center in San Jose. And this is one hell of a card, King Mo. You fired up for this? I mean, I, I, I'm really, really looking forward to this one. 
there's at least three fights that I really care about, and then another two that I'm like, yeah, yeah, I want to see that. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 the card, man. It's it's the it's the the breakthrough. You know what I'm saying? It's the big card right here, man. This is one of those tent pole cards, as Scott Coker likes to say. Let's start with that main event for the middleweight championship. Gegard Mousasi defending against current Bellator welterweight champion Rory McDonald. Rory has already entered himself into this welterweight tournament they're having, but he's such a badass. He was the one who went after this Gegard fight. Yep. Is this his middleweight debut? He's been at pretty much welterweight his whole run. Middleweight debut. 30 years old, or 29 years old, Rory McDonald. Uh, I still think he's the biggest and best signing Bellator's ever had because they got a guy right in his prime who could compete for a UFC title tomorrow. This is a big-ass fight. This is interesting. I don't necessarily understand why he's going to do this, then duck right back down to the welterweight tournament outside of the fact that he just wants to fight anyone at any weight every day. But technique-wise, X's and O's is about as good as it gets in MMA. Let's not lie here, King Bo. This is going to be a great fight. It's going to be a great fight. I think Musashi might be too big for him. That's the only thing. Unless Roy – I don't think Roy did special strength training because he knows he's going to be down to 170 later. I think that it's going to be a tough fight for him. I think it'll be a good fight, but I think Musashi might be a little too big for him. But hopefully I'm wrong. Hopefully it goes back and forth. So how does Rory win this? Does it have to be on his feet from distance? How does he win this fight? You can't be from distance because Musashi is a taller taller fighter, longer fighter. He has to play cat and mouse. But the thing is, Musashi, when Musashi comes forward, he keeps such great range. He has to to keep it close and take him down. Stay chest to chest, keep him close, take him down, and – uh. Keep it on the grappling side. You just hope that the, that if Rory loses this one, or even if he wins it, it's not damaging for him because he's the he's the face of that welterweight tournament, being the champion that they're launching this weekend. But you know, we've seen him in some wars. Even that the title win over Douglas Lima in January, which was a great fight, five rounds. That was another tough war. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see if this affects his title reign at all. But man, I want to see this. It, it means a lot for Bellator in terms of you know he could be a two-division champion, Roy McDonald, you know, or we could have a great fight and need a rematch. Gegard, the rightful favorite, it seems. This co-main event, though, is 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 in my sloppy old guy wheelhouse. It's a trilogy about Quentin Rampage Jackson, your old foe, against Vanderlei Silva. I don't like the idea of the ex-murderer at heavyweight. I mean, it didn't even look great against Chael last year, but you get why they're doing this. Let's hope it's short, quick, and extra sloppy, and let's hope it's not three rounds of uh, of of wrestling on their bellies here, Kingdom. It ain't going three rounds because, first of all, Vanderlei can't wrestle. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Vanderlei can't wrestle. He's a train with Kings MMA, so I think it's going to be a striking, striking event. Can he get to, to, to Rampage's chin? That seems to be the one thing Quentin still has, right? I mean, he could take bombs. Uh, but he take body shots. I mean, he fatigues. He fatigues early. Yeah, Easy yeah. and early. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this is interesting. Uh, did you see the, any of their first two fights? This won't look like that, but are, but are you are you in on this rivalry historically? Uh, you know, yeah, I am. You know what I'm saying? It's happening. It's still going on. So until it ends, I'm on board. <laughs> you you split a pair of fights with Quentin Rampage Jackson. He had did he win both of those fights against Wanderlei? No, he lost their first one in 2003 in Pride by TKO. <laughs> Actually, he lost both. You're right. He lost both of those due to knees twice in Pride. He's lost to Wanderlei Silva. I need your prediction whether the third fight will be any different. Uh, I don't know, man, because I, I haven't seen. Uh, I have no idea. If someone's getting knocked out, or someone's getting decision, 
Ain't no submissions happening. Here. Oh wait, I'm way off, King Mo. This is their fourth fight. They're, this thing's been going yeah, on for so one, sloppy. Two one, two one, because Mandalay not knocked out by Quentin. I think with a left yeah, foot. I completely forgot that they ever met in UFC. UFC ninety two, yeah. two thousand eight. Forgive me for not being prepared enough. So Rampage loses the first two in Pride within a year, within two years apart, both by knees TKO. Then they have that rematch, UFC ninety two, first round knockout for Rampage. I definitely remember that fight, knockout of the night. This is their fourth meeting. Hmm. Um, it's going to be a, a slugfest on the feet. I don't know if Vondi can take this type of these type of punches. I don't know, but we're going to see, man. Because if Quentin fatigues a lot of shots, it ain't going to be the same shots as when he's fresh. Yeah, this could get bad. Okay, the fight that I that I arguably care about as much as the main event, because this is going to be a great fight to kick off this welterweight Grand Prix. That Bellator's doing where, where they're putting their welter division for, first and foremost and saying it's as good or better than the UFC's and it just might be. We're going to kick off with a trilogy bout. Douglas Lima, the former champion against Andre Spartan Koreshkov, my guy, also a former champion. King Mo, this has potential to be fireworks. I'm fired up for it. You could argue if Lima gets through this, he could be, you know, an outside favorite here to win this tournament because he really is that good. He lost to Koreshkov in their first meeting in 2015 by decision for that welterweight title. And then he ran back that rematch and got a third-round knockout against Spartan in Israel three years later to win the belt. This is going to be a good-ass fight. What do you think is the difference here in between these guys? I think the difference will be um, Lima's uh, newfound boxing. He's got a Cuban boxing coach. I think that'll help him. I think that... Um, I think the fact that Lima has been still competing at a high level because Koreshkov was, was out for a little bit. But at the same time, Andre is very confident because the first, don't forget the second fight, he was getting, he was putting hands on Lima and then Lima caught him with that left hook off the cage. So when you look at it, Lima knows he can beat Koreshkov, he can catch him, but Andre knows, hey, I'm, I can control this guy. I can beat him. If he goes, if it, if I don't get caught, I could possibly beat him. And I could possibly, I could possibly hurt them with some shots too. It's a toss up, man. I really don't, I really don't know what's going to happen. I, I'm pulling for Lima, but Andre is tough, man. Man, Andre is tough. He can bang and he's coming off that, that spinning back kick, highlight reel KO in July. Yeah. And he's only 28, man. This guy's been around yeah. for a while now. I yeah. mean, he fought Ben Askren five years ago for the Bellator yeah. welterweight title. Has he developed enough? We always know he can punch. Has he developed enough wrestling-wise? When he lost to Askren, he had zero wrestling game, right? When he beat Lyman Good, he had zero wrestling game. He's evolved. Has he evolved to the level where he can win this tournament, though? Yeah. Yeah. He has. Like, you look, 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 look we fought Benson Henderson. Benson Henderson came close to sniffing the takedown. Even though Benson's smaller, he didn't come close to sniffing. Like, not one threat of a takedown, nothing. You can see Andre's actually tried, tried to type that loose in after the Askren fight. I like this fight. As a matter of fact, he's got to take down himself. You think about it, he's taking people down himself. I think this ends in knockout. I'm leaning Lima. Look, Lima's the better fighter, but I don't know, man. I, I don't know. This is a great fight. I'm I'm leaning Lima here, but this is a great fight. I think Lima, Lima could win this tournament. This, yeah. That's what I love about this tournament. Keep on, I think like three or four guys can win it. I'm not even sure Rory wins it. I'm not even sure if he comes out of this Musasi fight in one piece. I might like Lima to win this tournament. I mean, there's a little lot of names in here. It's a lot of good fighters. I'm just throwing out that Lorenz Larkin wasn't in the tournament or Eric Silva. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, well, but, but, but then Ed Ruth is dangerous. Ed Ruth is dangerous. So man, look, everybody that wake everybody at one seventy in that tournament is is dangerous. All right, do, do you care about Aaron Pico coming back at featherweight here against Leandro Higo? You've been up and down on Pico. What do you need to see out of him this time around? No, I'm up on Pico. I I just think that was first fight. He just he just had no experience. But this fight is a tough fight for him. I think I think Pico can can handle him though because um, he can has the wrestling and the striking. He can control where the fight goes. Higo just has good jujitsu and some good kicks. I I think I think Pico's. Confident. I think I think I feel like Pico's found himself in this MMA game, and I think Pico's gonna take him out. He's bounced back, of course, from that first round submission loss in 2017 with three first round knockouts. Not necessarily the best competition, but you got to slowly build this guy. What do you know about his opponent, though, in terms of experience, in terms of danger, Leandro Higo? Anything? Tough man, former champion. I think from LFA or RFA or Legacy. He's a former champion. He trained with the, the Pitbull Brothers. He's under them. He's he's very talented, man. He's good. He can fight. He fought for the Bellator Bantamweight Championship against Darian Caldwell in March of this year. So this is definitely a step-up fight. You're not kidding, King Mo. This is going to be a good one. We're going to find out. Pico getting put right back in the deep end. I want I want to see what this kid has. You know, he can wrestle. He can bang. Yeah. I mean, he's like he, the pro- – it was like they built him in a lab. He has everything, right? Yeah. If, and the thing is, if he, if, if he can stop Higo, that's going to say something. That that's put, it's going to put the weight class on notice. Damn right about that, Mo. All right, to close, I got to talk boxing with you. Give nah, me your, okay. give me your Triple G Canelo thoughts. What's your score? Oh, before you tell me, that was a friggin' fantastic fight, King Mo. Loved it. The pace. It wasn't a twelve round brawl, but it was like high speed chess because they were responsible on defense, and the pace yeah. was insane. I, I personally, I thought Canelo won again. It's like this, right? I, I think Triple G is effective, but. I'm sorry, jabs in the right hand, one jabs and a few right hands ain't going to win the fight, especially when you're backing up and you're getting busted up and your face is showing marks of damage and the body shots are hurting you and you're breathing. And then when your corner in the 10th round said, hey, you're losing, makes you believe that you lost the fight. Then Abel Sanchez said, hey, the fight was close. We had to finish it out in the 12th round. Triple G didn't fight the way he want. I wanted to fight. He didn't go forward. But here's the thing, the whole time, Abel Sanchez, Triple G saying, we're going to show the Mexican style, we're going to come forward, the last fight, Canelo, you ran. Then this fight, Canelo's like, you know what, I'm going to show you the Mexican style, I'm going to come forward. Dude, Canelo felt like a man. Run. Canelo backed down. Triple G up in the middle rounds, we've never seen that, never. No, 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 no. the whole fight pretty much. From rounds one, the whole fight, Triple G was getting backed up. The whole fight. You gotta give Canelo credit for what he learned from the first fight. I didn't think, cause he's a counterpuncher, yet he came out jabbing and throwing. Did you see the fatigue on, I mean, so, look, Triple G also <laughs> deserves credit, by the way, because he was fatigued in those middle rounds and he sucked it up and he finished stronger than Canelo, but holy crap, he got dragged. But, but bro, listen, even in the 12th round. I thought Canelo won the 12th round. Well, that's the controversial round because two of the three mm-hmm. gave it to Canelo. Most people think Triple G won, and if either of those two judges had given it to Triple G, this would have been a draw for the second straight Man, time. Look, I, because the thing is, I watched, the, I watched the fight. I ordered it. I watched it, and I'm like, I'm like, okay, I'm, wa- I'm watching. I'm like, okay, these are close rounds, but I have Canelo when he's close. Round. I'm like, who's worth the beat in the 12th round? Canelo was, was landing some clean shots. Granted, Triple G was busy. 
but Canelo was landing the cleaner, harder shots the whole like the whole fight. You know what's interesting? So I, I didn't have the best view in the arena because Oscar De La Hoya did that thing they did at Maymac where they take the media outside of the ringside area and put them up in the crowd a little bit, like thirty rows back, so we can so they can sell more tickets. And I'm like, I'm not here to complain, but it changes the way you you're yeah. able to view a fight and score it. It looked from where I was sitting that Canelo was hurt and staggering multiple times between in rounds 10 and 11. I went back and watched on HBO. He really wasn't that hurt. He actually didn't even get hit that clean. Yeah, yeah remember that, that one round where he's like, making a miss. He's like, and Canelo threw, I mean, Triple G threw 11 punches, landed two of them. So, it, it, so from ringside, I scored that 116-112 for Golovkin. Most people sitting around me had it 114-114. I rewatched it, Mo, scored it 114-114. But I feel five of those rounds legitimately could go either way. Like it's not even a debate. Like they're yeah. completely even rounds where both guys were were landing big bombs and it's close rounds. But it's see, a brilliant fight. It's Canelo, a, when Canelo won rounds, you know Canelo won them yeah, rounds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now the one the criticism for Triple G you got to give him is look, you didn't go to the body in the first fight. You landed only four punches. This fight you only landed six. And even Abel Sanchez kind of called him out and was like, yeah, our strategy was to go to the body, but I can't make a fighter. But he couldn't go to the body because when he's going to the body, he's getting hit. Yeah. He was getting touched up. Um, and, and my criticism on Triple G is I think he's a great fighter, but like, why didn't you go up? Everybody wanted Ford to go up. Everybody asked Canelo to go up. Everybody asked for Andre Ward to go up, but they never asked for Triple G to go up. Remember, Ward, by the G way, the Ward, man. five years, five, six years ago, Ward, Ward would have beat him. Right in Triple G's prime, Ward would have, would have silenced him. Ward would have stopped him. So think about this, right? Everyone, everyone's like Triple G could beat anybody from 160 to one to like heavyweight. I remember They're those days, that. and I believed it. I believed he could. I didn't. I was like, man, Ward would smash this dude. Gilberto Ramirez would smash him. Oh no! And, how dare you? How dare you bring Zerto the Turtle into this conversation? And now let's talk Benavidez. Man, look, look, Benavidez smashed. Benavidez just got popped for coke, so he's been li- he's been living right now. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> good, bring, good, bring that up too. Yeah, but but you know, but I I, I feel like right now. On this tail end, MMA, boxing, kickboxing, combat sports has all of a sudden got a boost of energy right now. Yes. Yes. With Deontay Wilder, Deontay Wilder, Tyson Fury, and, and the Staples Center. December 1st. Good. Well, we don't know yet. Could be Vegas, could be Staples. Either way, I can't wait to be there. But Joshua over the weekend, Anthony Joshua defended three heavyweight titles by knocking out Alexander Povetkin. But that was a fight. By the way, Pavekin was like a massive underdog, and I'm the one on the podcast writing stories going, hey, guys, he's going to be in this fight. <laughs> like, he's really, like, arguably the third best heavyweight in the world. Like, he's yeah. going to be in this fight. Man, Pavekin fought with balls. Yeah. But AJ, dude, AJ could finish, man. Hey, hey. He's a finisher. AJ's a finisher. What about that short right hand that Joe Lewis? Yes. And how that about that? Lead, the one that knocked him down the first time, like a like a leaping lead right yeah. hand too. Was... Yeah, 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 man. Like, look, like boxing, MMA. Now the only thing that's hurting right now is pro wrestling. Pro wrestling just hit their game up because yeah, yeah, right yeah. now, boxing, MMA have spread off like Usain Bolt, and pro wrestling's been backpedaling. All right, I need to know your confidence level here because the cool thing about the heavyweight division right now is there's a bunch of players. They're fun, but every time they win, I think, well, that guy's going to be the last one standing. So let me explain quick. When Deontay Wilder rallied to stop Luis Ortiz, who coming into that fight, I legitimately thought Luis Ortiz was going to be all the heavyweights. When yeah. Wilder rallied to stop him, I go, you know what? I've been wrong this whole time. Wilder's going to knock Joshua out. Well, I got to I gotta say this, Kimo. Even though Joshua... This wasn't a spectacular performance. The knockout was spectacular. 
even though the performance wasn't spectacular, he's showing me enough in the categories of poise, defensive boxing, not getting wild. Like his combinations are so tight and quick and fluid. I'm, I think Joshua's gonna, gonna go the distance and beat Wilder now. And I, and I think Fury might beat them both. That's why this is so crazy. Here's the thing, right? Deontay showed poise for the first time versus Luis Ortiz. Yes. But let's be real. He didn't look that great throughout the fight until he finished it. Joshua has looked good and bad, but Joshua looks bad versus guys that are short. He has problems with shorter fighters. He don't have problems with taller fighters. So I feel like, I feel like Joshua looked bad versus guys that are shorter, but you put with a guy that's tall, like Dominic Brazil or Charles Martin, he's smashing guys that are taller. He's that jab, he's that jab, but he has, a, he, for some reason, he can't gauge the range when guys come in on the inside. Even when Dylan White, when Dylan White fought him, Dylan White did better, oh, he better work him. from the inside. Yeah, yeah, with that uppercut. So, yeah. what, what makes this so fun is Wilder's the worst of them all, certainly in terms of technique and all that, but he's the guy who can end the fight against any of those at any time with but, one punch, and that makes it fun. And look, Fury, we're going to find out against Wilder whether he can get back into that top-level shape. But Kimo, whether we we can joke about this guy, but he's the the, the kryptonite. He's the Swiss Army knife. Six nine, quick, can fight both stances, can get in your head mentally. I'm I'm not convinced that Fury is not going to just take a decision from Wilder. I'm not like it, hey, it might happen. But here's the thing, right? There's a guy out there that people are forgetting about. Okay, I'm I'm. It's kind of bringing up kind of early, but. F.A. Ajag, by the guy that Curtis Harper won yes. at the ring long. Look. It's early, him, though. That's real early. Yeah, early. No, but here's the thing, right? I think he's 6'4", 88-inch reach. Damn. Damn. 88. That's more than Tyson Fury. Now, he could punch. Now, imagine when he gets seasoned. We have a lot. Like, like Yo, Tony Yoka, Daniel Dubois. You know what I'm saying? The guy that knocked out Amir Mansour. The guy, there are a bunch of young headweight fighters that could possibly fight for the belt within a year or so. These guys are this is feeling good. Killers, this is feeling man. good right now. This is so different than the Klitschko era. Yeah, way different. How, wow, Tyson Fury's reach is 85 inches. You're telling me that, that guy is uh, – wow. type, type in F-A – type in Ajagba, A-J-A-G-B-A, Ajagba, A-J-A-G-B-A, F-A Ajagba, E-E-F, and look at his reach. And There's a guy who's not a junior Olympian who fought four years before him. His name's The Secret. I don't know his name. We call him a secret. I spar with him. He's six seven, has a ninety inch, like an eighty nine or ninety inch reach. All right, you, all right. you, got, you got a new age of fighter that's tall and even longer and athletic. You know what I'm saying? Tyson Fury. Remember when Michael weird. Grant was supposed to be who these guys are now? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Michael Grant, um, um, Mount Whitaker. You know what I'm oh, saying? Yeah, all those yeah. guys that, Julius Long, all those guys that, Julius Long has a 90 inch reach. Oh yeah. He, he just, couldn't, he couldn't, he, he had no jab. He couldn't fight yeah. on the outside. Seven, wow. Seven feet tall, yeah. But I look, I thought when Joshua beat Parker, it was unimpressive and I wasn't high on him. I'm back high on him again. He, look, sometimes like, alright, there's two categories in heavyweight boxing. Like, one of them is power, whereas like, Wilder, we're just like, he can't box, but man, he can knock on anybody. Yeah. The other, it's just poise. Like Joshua's got real poise where I think he's going to find a way to get, go in any, in any situation. He's going to find a way to win that. I'm starting to believe in him. Starting yeah, to believe. man. It's fun. It's fun, Kimo. That's all we can ask for right now. Fun fights. All right. Real fun fight. All right, Great you, fight. You stay healthy. December 15th, Honolulu. That's, that's the correct date, right? December 15th on DAZN. Everybody out there, get your DAZN subscription because Kingmo's coming for you. All right. All right. 
Hey, Leona, like, like I said, Leona Machida's on that card. Are we, are we building toward King Mo Machida? I don't want to play matchmaker here. <laughs> are we slow building? I don't know. You're going to find out. All right. If you fight him, watch out for that front kick. The one that he killed Kotura with. Just watch out for that. Okay. <laughs> I will. We don't want to say that. Hey, King Mo, follow you on social media at King Mo FH. You got anything to say for the fans, for the listeners as we walk away here? Hey, sorry for the delay, but we back and now we out.